Alternative Radio. Mmm, pre-roll. <laughs> this podcast is proudly brought to you by Inked Marketing and the Inked Marketing crowdfunded comic for this here episode is the listener. I'm not going to stop boosting the listener. As long as the listener's live on Kickstarter, I'm going to keep talking about it. That's all there is to it. It is a Kickstarter comic they love. Um, more specifically, we love, according to them. You get it. Uh, <laughs> Kickstarter loves the comic. You're going to love the comic as soon as you get on it. So if you're looking for something real, but also something supernatural at the same time, um, something disturbing, then the listener is the comic for you. Yeah, Based off of a real military man that experienced some real fucked up things with... A supernatural twist. So hop on Kickstarter now. Search The Listener, issue number two, When Winds Weep, on Kickstarter. Proudly brought to you by Inked Marketing. Well, hello again, and welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode 289. The 289th episode of the Cheers to Comics podcast will be a creator corner, and the creator that I cornered on this here episode is Curtis Clow. If you don't recognize Curtis Clow's name, it's understandable. He's only been doing this a few years, but if you were to actually read the work that he has done, you wouldn't believe him when <laughs> he would tell you it's only been doing it a few years. The guy's a monster. He is a huge success on Kickstarter and continues to be. He's coming on to talk about Slightly Exaggerated. I know when he sent me the review PDF copies, I didn't even have to go further than the cover. I opened up the cover, I was like, yeah, no, dude, how soon can you get on? You're going to be famous really, really fast, and you need to hurry up and come on this show before you get too famous. So, uh, <laughs> no, the, the, the guy's a monster. He's, he's an absolute beast, and he's a pleasure to talk to as well. Um, I, I really, really think that you're going to enjoy this interview with uh, Curtis Clow. All right, Curtis Clow. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's, it's all my pleasure. I love it when people reach out. It lets me know that, hey, at least it's, it's getting to someone out there. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm honored when they, they want to take the time out of the day, stop creating comics, and come on the show. And uh, yeah, no, I, I really do appreciate your time more than anything. And Yeah, man. It's always fun to chat about comics. And then as an indie creator, it can be hard to like book podcasts and stuff. And I listen to a ton in my free time, so it's cool to actually get a chance to get on and talk about my comics and everything nice nice yeah well um i'm, I'm stoked for these next uh, however many minutes it takes man I just, <laughs> uh, i'm pumped you sent me some uh, some review pdfs and um without even going past the first page i opened up the cover to uh, ex uh slightly exaggerated and as soon as i saw that cover i was like fucking sold Fucking sold. Um, if the 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 interiors are any indication as to what i'm going to be getting into this this book is a it's it's a it's a gem it's perfect Thank and you. um you know i i famously don't really read the uh 
um, review material until moments before I hit record just so I could have it all fresh in my head. And, you know, it's, uh, the, the excitement, just it doesn't fizzle away at that point. It's still fresh. And, man, I, I went through and I binged both of these slightly exaggerated and B-slams. And, Jesus Christ, man. Uh, I, we're going to get into these. We are. But before we get into uh, the actual material itself, we got to know about the creator. We have to know where Curtis Cloud comes from. So um, tell us, man, at what point did uh, comics really start gracing your life? Not necessarily creating them, but um, you know, just enjoying them. Uh, definitely as a kid, uh, I was always like drawn to them, um, even though I wasn't I didn't read like a ton of them. I just had like a few random issues and uh, I, I just felt like a pool towards them. Uh, but I didn't start reading till maybe like my early 20s around there. I would okay. read some indie comics and some Im image stuff. But I mean, even back then as a kid, I would try to be making my own comics. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just always wanted to be creative and tell stories. Uh, so so were you uh, when you say making comics as a kid, were you, uh, you know, just doing the stories and the art yourself? Were you attempting to draw them as well? Or Oh, yeah, back then, yeah. definitely attempting to draw. Yeah, I still have some random pages from like way, way back then. That's I awesome. Kept a hold of it. But yeah, definitely. Uh, I was into drawing back then. Now it's kind of just just a hobby. I focus more on the writing part now. Gotcha. Well, I know when I was uh, attempting to draw comics as a kid, I was always trying to emulate other artists. Um, I never, I didn't have my own style. Uh, was that something you were trying to do as well? Uh, I mean, were there certain artists that you were drawn to? Because, I mean, it, me, it was, it was Jim Lee. I mean, as soon as I saw Jim oh, Lee's yeah. cable, I was like, I want comics to be everything in my life. You know, so I honestly I didn't read enough to even know of any artists to like yeah. try to emulate the style. I was just trying to make my own style. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until probably early twenties that I started reading more and really getting to artists and writers and kind of obsessing over it now. Cool man. Um, so uh, who did you first start finding um, yourself obsessing over? You know, you said it was. Well, I mean, I, I started stuff, out in so. the yeah, I started out in the uh, in just like the indie scene on Kickstarter, and I always knew I wanted to launch my own Kickstarter, okay. so I was just backing Kickstarters and learning as much as I could. But then once I started reading um, the image stuff, uh, maybe like five years ago, Rick Remender is a huge uh, guy that just inspires me. And I love his storytelling and you, the high concept stuff. Are you reading Scumbag right now? Yeah. Dude, so holy shit, man. That <laughs> was one. Like, I, He's probably my favorite writer and I love all of his stuff. But that was one where I was like, I don't know if I'll be into this. But I mean, I love all of his work. And then as soon as I started reading, it's just it's amazing. Uh, love it. Are, are you caught up with issue four? No, I think I've only read the first three. Okay. Dude, issue yeah. four, I mean, you're going to get lost in it for sure. And I, <laughs> I mean that in the best way visually because it, uh, it's it's just 20 pages of an orgy essentially. So, <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's, they don't really uh, censor anything. So the whole time I'm you're sure, trying to yeah. see, you're trying to count all the pieces. At least I found myself trying to count all the pieces. And then you turn the next page, like, oh shit, it's where's Waldo again? I mean, it's, 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 it's sure. crazy. It's, no, crazy. it's a great book, and it's cool how he does like a different line artist on every uh, issue. Yeah. And it has Moreno, Decino. Uh, I'm not sure if that's how you say his last name, but doing all the colors for it all. So it's like it's just inspiring to even see him do like something creative at, like that at this point in his career. It's really cool. That's, that's awesome, man. Yeah, no, I. I, I totally agree with Rick Remender. So he's, it's not a bad person to, to draw inspiration from and, you know, start to obsess over for sure. Uh, and he's, he's got plenty of material to, to draw from. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I love how it's like most of his stuff is pretty high concept. And yeah. like I, that's all I'm pretty much inter interested in writing is, uh, you know, fantasy and sci-fi, as, as you see with like Beastlands and slightly exaggerates, very fantasy-esque and like kind of, I'm really, I'm, I'm a big fan of like Studio Ghibli as well, growing mm -hmm. up watching like Princess Mononoke and stuff. So kind of like a little bit of uh, influence of that is like in all of my work. But um, 
the mature side of Remender and his stories really speaks to me. Uh, well, yeah, no, and I could see you being drawn towards, uh, or being inspired from more mature writers just based off of the material I've read, because, you know, it's it's not a, not a young adults type of situation here. I mean, it's, yeah, definitely. You, I mean, it's, this is, this is for the grown folk, for sure, and not in any type of um, uh, edgy type of way. I mean, it, it, it clearly shows that you're not trying to be edgy, and that's what I love about this, is it's all just it's so organic, the way it plays out. You know, reading slightly exaggerated number one, that, that first taste in nudity, it just kind of came out of nowhere, but at the same time, I was like, fuck, that makes total sense. Lady wants to enjoy her life. She wakes up in bed with the dude. So, I mean, it's, and once again, it's not playing into the nudity at all. It, it, it balances very, very well, man. And for being a new creator, that's... It, it's impressive. It's impressive to read. Thank you. It, it really is. Um, yeah, I just try to stay like authentic to my voice. Like I'm not trying to be like raunchy or anything. No. But I definitely want to be mature and you know just like be authentic to my voice. I don't want to hold back just because I'm scared of you know offending people with curse words and right. stuff. You know. Right. And yeah, no, I mean even uh, in in Beastlands, you know, it's uh, you got the kids cursing at each other. Fuck that you. one surprises <laughs> some people, yeah. yeah. But it, it's this kind of like uh, you know, it's this like medieval world with these kind of realistic beasts. You know, there's no like magical powers or anything there, and in these circumstances, when they're getting attacked by these kind of uh, scavenger characters, you know, I feel like you know. I don't know. Some people have problem with uh, problems with the curse words, but then they're okay with the violence. So it's like, ah, you know. Right, right. Uh, I mean, there, there's one line that stood out to me, and immediately I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm not showing this one to to my dog. I was like, I'll shoot you in the dick or something. <laughs> like that's yeah. fucking perfect, man. But the thing is, is once again, it's something that a, a kid that age would try to say to come off big and scary. You know. Like, yeah, you know, I, I remember growing up how we used to talk as kids. I mean, even from middle school and up, you know curse words are a pretty normal thing for most kids back then so i just try to make it realistic especially in this world where there's dire consequences you're getting attacked you know there's murder there's all kinds of action and stuff like that yeah man yeah um so uh let, let's uh let's kind of get into the the process of breaking into the, the the creating stage before we get too far into i really i want you could tell i, I really want to talk about these men um <laughs> So uh, you, you decide to take the leap. I'm going to make these myself. Um, what, what is your, your starting process for that? Obviously, following a lot of Kickstarters, it's wise because, you know, you kind of get to see the successes and failures of others. Um, so it's kind of win-win yeah. there. Yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, uh, did, was there a, a certain creator out there who, like, had a, a way they did Kickstarters that you specifically followed? Or, um, I mean, just what what... How did you get started into it? There's a few. Uh, I mean, I think it's always good to stay active in the Kickstarter community. It's always, you know, a little weird when you see people making a Kickstarter and then you can, it's always like next to their name, you can see how many Kickstarters they've backed. Mm -hmm. And when it's zero, you're like, that's always a red flag. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're not even really in the community. You're just kind of asking. So like now I think I've backed almost 80 projects. Nice, and um, uh, people I used to follow back then, a guy named Jason Brubaker, he was big on the platform. Yeah. Miles Greb. Um, He's somebody that has helped me a lot, and he's kind of like a, a friend now, and he gave me a lot of advice for my first Kickstarter. Um, a guy named Ray Chu, uh, he has a Skies of Fire series, okay. really big series on Kickstarter. Um, just people, you just kind of like make friends from uh, from backing Kickstarters, asking for advice and stuff like that. 
Um, and then that kind of led me into, I think it was 2017 where I did my first Kickstarter. It was a really small one just for like a mini print. And that was kind of for me just to learn the platform. And then a few months later, I launched like the first actual first issue for one of my series. Nice. Um, so at what point did you start creating? Because uh, obviously, you know, you didn't, you didn't launch the Kickstarter and then start making the comic. At least I wouldn't assume so. Uh, no, so, no, so... it was probably a few years okay. before actually, because you know your first project is going to take you a little longer. Yes, I did is. like a little bit of work on an anthology. Um, that was a good experience since I didn't have to. Like the hardest part of being a writer in comics is you have to pay for everything, pay for printing, mm -hmm. pay for art, um, and you're just kind of funding it out of your own pocket from your day job. So that's probably the hardest part of being a you know indie writer. So you know took me a few years to actually get off the ground and figure this out and you know a lot of mistakes were made and I, I think I actually wanted to make a video game at first I'm really into video games as well okay. and uh, I was getting like a lot of concept art and then video games are just super expensive compared to comics <laughs> um, so that kind of transitioned into just using the art I had to writing the story for a comic and you know working with a few different comic artists until we finally found the right fit uh wasting lots of money and then finally launching that first project and luckily it was successful that, that, that's awesome man so let's, let's talk about the, the the process of finding your artist a little bit because i know like everybody has their own way everybody has their own story i've heard uh well i i just ran into them and we just so happened to have fallen in love and now we're making a comic together and then i've heard well you know i'd find them on facebook so uh, it sounds like you actually had, uh, I mean, some experience going through and finding the right artist for the, the, first, um, the first book. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, I think I'm a lot better at finding artists now and trying to find like the Beastlands artist. This was the first comic that she's ever drawn and uh, just like trying to make sure I find the right artist for the story I have in mind. Like for that Beastlands story, this, I wanted that more like anime style. This was her first comic? Yeah, what did yeah. What she do she's before? Only... She worked in the video game industry. She's from South Korea, so she uh, did like concept art and stuff for video games. I mean, now she's killing it. Now she's getting work with Boom and stuff while she still works on um, Beastlands with me. So it's cool to Look see her you, expanding. Man. I know. I, I, now she does comics full time, so it's really cool to you know watch her journey. Hell yeah! Man. And then uh, Pius on Slightly Exaggerated. He's kind of the same thing. I saw him on some Kickstarter books. So like you can always look at Kickstarters and. Um, I mean, a lot of those artists are just indie artists and always looking for their next gig. So Pius, me and him work together and then he started doing work for Boom as well. So it's cool to see him grow. Um, but I mean, first off, when I was first trying to find artists, I was looking at like DeviantArt, ArtStation and, you know, putting out uh, like on forums, putting out that I need an artist. But I mean, I don't think I was the best collaborator back then. I think I've uh, I've gained a lot of experience as a writer and like less controlling. And I kind of trust my artists now gotcha. where, I, you know, I, I write like full scripts and uh, I rarely have to give like the artist any feedback on layouts or anything like they pretty much have a, a go at the uh, at the script and interpreting it into a comic page. That's awesome. So I've, uh, yeah, I've definitely just throughout the years and now I think I'm a lot better at finding these artists on like social media and stuff and just making connections. Yeah, there's definitely a sea of them for sure. Unfortunately, so many of them really, uh, you know, just uh, unfortunately, they're just not good. So it makes it really hard to find the really good ones. But when you do, man, you find someone like this and essentially, I mean, I'm going to go ahead. If you're not going to, I'm going to go ahead and say it launched their comic book career. I mean, that's, that's, that's got to be amazing, man. I mean, did... did uh, I'm having a hard time with her name here. Uh, I've never heard her last name pronounced. Me and her just we just communicate through emails and uh, you know, English is her. 
I, I would I would guess Miyoung, but I would have to ask her if, yeah. uh, how you actually pronounce it. I, I just call her Joe. And um, yeah, I mean, we've communicate over the past few years now making uh, Beastlands. And, uh, you know, she, like English is her second language. So sometimes she has to transfer or uh, translate emails and stuff. But we've made it work. And, you know, we've been working for a few years and we still have a lot more Beastlands planned. I, I really hope so. And here's here's. I'm I'm famous. I'm not famous, but I'm I'm well known for not really liking um, a, a, an Eastern type of style and Western comics. And I'm going through and I'm reading this, and, and I'm, I'm I'm looking at this, and I don't feel that at all, man. It does not look like you know any type of manga type of feel. Now Studio Ghibli, I know, is a little bit different. It's a lot more refined, and I mean, even not being a manga fan, I love Princess Mononoke. So that yeah, maybe that's yeah. why I I guess. I'm seeing past uh, it really being, you know. I mean, her her art is just beautiful. Yeah, I mean, her covers, her interiors, and that's uh, that's her first issue. We've done five issues of Beastlands now, and we have uh, we have planned up to issue ten. But her style has only gotten better, and her comic pages, like that was her first full comic she ever drawn, she ever drew. So and illustrated since she's doing the colors. So now it's it only gets better issue by issue. The 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 first real uh, full splash page we we see here with this. uh, I guess you could say this king and this the king yeah. uh, executing his uh, beast. Yeah. Jesus, man! Like the, the, it's so much more than just pretty. There's so much emotion in it. The 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 the, the, the eyes, the, the the look in the eyes of the beast, and it just it says so much. It makes you feel for it. it, yeah. it, it she did a great job of showing just the sadness of the beast and the anger of the king, for sure. Ah, yeah, and I mean, and even in the, the the human, you know, characters in here, every single facial expression is on point from creepy weird dude in the woods to you know i'm gonna shoot you in the dick kids it's, it's it, she she kills it on this man i'm i'm like it's so hard to believe that this is a first project for the both of you it says so much and you say you plan on uh, 10 issues with this yeah we have the first five done and uh we so that's like the first trade um and then we have 10 planned and then it just depends on like as indie comics of course i would love to keep going i would love to go to like 25 or something mm-hmm. but it's just hard as an indie creator if our if our kickstarters keep doing well then we'll for sure get there the last beastlands kickstarter did like over fifty thousand uh over the last summer so yeah if we keep getting that kind of support we can keep going for sure dude i i just i just see boom's name written all over this book man i i really do i feel like this is something that could be pitched and just paid for at this point especially we we have a publisher attached already for the trade release okay um i can't i don't think i can say yet okay but hopefully later this year it's announced so they'll nice. put out like the volume one and then we have a deal where we can kind of like keep doing kickstarters for single issues and if it does well then they would publish volume two hopefully too so sweet is this someone that uh is through diamond are they yes definitely direct market go. yeah there you yeah. go man it's a big publisher i mean i'm really excited so awesome i'm happy for you this is incredible i can't wait for this to be just on shelves all over the place. Uh, <laughs> this is, it really is beautiful. I'm, I'm yeah, so I'm excited impressed. for that. Like I, I've only done, uh, you know, I've done 11 Kickstarters, just self-publishing myself. So it'd be cool to have my first direct market release. It's gotta be exciting. It's gotta be exciting. Definitely. I was uh, talking to a creator not too long ago and they were telling me about their favorite moment in comics and it was getting that, that first print from a publisher and, and the, you know, getting to hold that from, you know, from a distributor. It's, 
So it was the, yeah, the, I can't the wait for that. Moment, so I, We're working on like designing the book and stuff now, um, just getting ready for the release probably in 2022. So it's fun stuff. And, you know, I've done as a self-publisher, I've done 11 Kickstarters, like I said, and like I'm used to the one printing it, shipping it to all my Kickstarter mm-hmm. backers. So it'll be fun to not have to do any of that and just like, you know, get some comps one day. Yeah, right, right. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the interaction, you know, and the, the, I'm sure that's that's fun. But after five of them and shipping yeah, and all yeah. that, because I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an intimate thing that you have with your back. I mean, like it's such an intimate relationship with your fans. I feel like, uh, like I'm glad I have all this experience, but I definitely want to do more work for publishers. But I don't think I'll ever stop doing Kickstarters. Like it's definitely like an intimate experience, uh, intimate experience. And it's, it's what got me my start in comics. So I'm uh, very grateful for all of our Kickstarter backers. Uh, and I honestly think Kickstarter is becoming more and more mainstream. I'm seeing some of the more mainstream artists out there go, definitely. I think I'd rather yeah. just do a Kickstarter. I mean, Kevin Eastman yeah. and um ben bishop they're they're drawing blood that's that's a kickstarter comic i mean the guy do you think the guy that does ninja turtles needs to crowdfund a comic no <laughs> but he just, he oh, just yeah scott snyder yeah scott yeah. snyder was huge on there yeah. and then you have these big companies like i saw skybound with image they just launched their first actual like official kickstarter i think yesterday the day before boom's killing it on there so yeah. it's definitely not like i feel like years ago it used to be kind of frowned upon like i always said it would look down yeah i always but, compared it to like uh the way actors are in the industry you're a tv actor or you're or you're a movie star and you know that's kind of was you were published by marvel or image or you put out a Kickstarter comic. Yeah, and just yeah. Tried to... and it's not like that anymore. No, Especially so with 2020, with the pandemic, it's like I, I think I think that's what uh, helped uh, Scott Snyder actually like make the push to do a Kickstarter. Like he saw with the pandemic mm-hmm. that you know there's power in just funding it yourself and making it happen. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways, the the pandemic really did um, uh, jumpstart comics because uh, you know, like I said, people had mo- they were money burning in their pocket you know i mean someone that you know is used to bringing home 30 books a week for nine weeks doesn't get to bring home anything i was back in kickstarters left and right man i just i i i I was fiending and so was everyone else and because of that it really just it shined this light on that 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 medium and yeah no it was the biggest year i ever had on kickstarter i mean i'm sure some of that is just kind of that snowball effect of kickstarters you know i'm on my 11th now but it was also i think the pandemic had a uh had a plan that where it was like the the best most backers i ever had most money i ever made on kickstarter so yeah it's definitely it made a good situation to have something bad i mean the pandemic was definitely bad for the world but it, it uh i'm glad that kickstarter was able to keep going i was worried at first you know if people were still going to be backing kickstarters and you know if uh if i could still do this but luckily it's all worked out yeah and i i talked to a lot of creators in the beginning of it all and they were they were all very worried you know i don't know if this is going to work out but you know, eventually it showed that, yeah, the, the success rate was probably higher for everybody than Yeah, normal. it definitely was, I think. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's a, uh, I hate to say it, but the, the pandemic really was a blessing to comics in a lot of yeah. ways. Uh, many, many ways. Well, I can, I can go on and on about all the ways, but that's, that's, that's just a, a tip of the iceberg. Um, let's, let's talk about the, the, Slightly exaggerated, man. This the, the the book that I mean the the art that initially caught my eye. You know, made me look up who the who the fuck Curtis Clow is. <laughs> <laughs> this 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 cover is absolutely amazing. And then you open it up and it just continues on. It's just like you. Oh my god! So tell me, where does this book come from? Being your this is officially your second book, your second title. 
My third, actually. Third. My first one was The Wild Cosmos, which is another... That was like my first Kickstarter series, The Wild Cosmos. Okay. And we're still kickstarting that one. That one's picked up by Scout Comics. So once we get on all the Kickstarters, Scout will be releasing that one. That's more of like a sci-fi fantasy oh, feel man. to it. I'm a Scout fanboy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all over that, man. Yeah, they're on the rise. It's yeah. cool to see them grow. Um, I signed the deal with them back in 2018 for that book. Um, so it's cool that, uh, you know, we haven't gotten the book out yet. We still have to finish one more Kickstarter for the last two issues. And then we'll get ready for their release but it's been cool to watch them grow over the years so i'm excited for the release with them hell yeah man they're actually another one of my uh big points in um how comics have grown during the pandemic they what scout did you know everyone else was taking a skip a step back and scout <laughs> fuck this we're just gonna keep putting out books you just get them from us and then just yeah oh they're they're amazing yeah. um I, as i'm actually proud to say this podcast is sponsored by scout comics so it's, oh nice yeah man um use code cheers 10 to check out uh, <laughs> <laughs> why not um no this is a uh, I, oh man knowing that you're going to scout see that right there to me that's my um that's kind of my my bar you know if scouts looking at you then i know that you're you're there because their level of quality control is just supreme. I've never read a poor scout book. It's just yet to happen. So one more, one more to the list, man. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, uh, slightly exaggerated. Where does, where does this book come from? I obviously, so this was my third series that I launched on Kickstarter. This was, uh, I'm an atheist, so it's kind of like my ph philosophical views in there, but I, it's not like preach or anything. Like I'm not trying to push those views on anyone. Um, but it's about a dying girl that has to, uh, steal back a sacred artifact from a cult leader to try to make things right. I mean, it doesn't necessarily line up with her beliefs, but she's trying to do the right thing because she's dying and she doesn't have much time left, but she's trying to give her life meaning. And uh, instead of just trying to get rich like she used to be doing, uh, she's trying to make her last few days count that she's alive. Yeah, yeah, and I gotta say, she it's uh, she lives in a very interesting, um, a bad, bad adventurous <laughs> life. That's for sure. Um, I mean, we're we're talking flying manatees and uh, right or stingrays or rays, whatever the hell yeah. you call them. Yeah, flying yeah. wheels. Yeah. I just wanted to go crazy with that world. And then Pius, he's uh, you know, he did good with the the flying wheels. Everything. It's kind of more of like a whimsical fantasy world with like talking animals. She has like her little frog friend Winston that uh, helps her when she was stealing stuff. Um, the the, the so it's kind of like the reveal of Winston. I'm sorry. When the whole time I'm like, who the fuck is talking to her? <laughs> and then you, I look at the bushes, it's that little frog, and I, oh man, I, I, it was perfect. It couldn't have been a better creature than a little goddamn a toad. It was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Winston. I already have a favorite character in the series. Um, <laughs> continue on though, man. I'm sorry to interrupt. This is... This is exciting. Yeah, though. so it's kind of uh, like compared to Beastlands, this is more just like whimsical with the talking animals, flying sea creatures, just like really pushing it, going as crazy as possible. Um, definitely Ghibli influenced, uh, like like uh, Beastlands is, with just this like uh, flying airships. Um, uh, it's it's a world where religion is law, so if you're kind of uh, an outsider like me is, uh, it's kind of frowned upon, and you have these like authority figures after her throughout that first issue. Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean the, the the first issue. I mean, <laughs> the 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 ending is super heavy. I'm not gonna give anything away, but it, it definitely it makes you want more. And to me, that's I mean that's that's how you want to end a series or an issue. Obviously, is leaving them wanting more. Um, it she goes through so much in just 27 pages, man. Uh, so much, but not in an overwhelming type of way. Once again, it's paced in a way. To where you, you, you really get the feel of the bullshit that she just goes through on an everyday basis. Just based off of her, um, yeah, no, it's this again. 
I'm in this situation again, and you know, I'm. Uh, no, one thing that I uh, the dying aspect of this. It's not really explained in the first issue, really how she's dying. You know, she. Yeah, I kept it kind of vague, but you can kind of see like a, a stone growth on her arm. Right. So throughout the uh, it's a four issue series, so throughout the four issues, you'll kind of see that spread on her okay. um, until it, you know envelops her whole body, and we'll go more into that in like the future issues where you see other people that were infected with that same kind of disease. Oh, all right, all right. So yeah, that well, four issues that definitely answers my next question of uh, how long is she actually going to be living for a dying girl. Um, <laughs> no, I like that. I like, because one thing that always bothers me is the, uh, oh, they're dying, but it's like a 75 issue series or something like yeah, that. You know? Yeah. Like, ah, are they really dying? Are they? Uh, <laughs> I, I think you just want to say that. Um, no, I mean, my favorite stories are ones that are, you know, limited and have, you know, set endings. Like one of my favorite, uh, series recently was Coda by uh, Simon mm. Spurrier. And it's kind of just like a, it's from boom and it's just like, you know, three volumes and then that's it. And, yeah. you know, stories with endings, I think are important. And then as an indie creator, it's just, it's hard to do a long running, you know, you're not going to do the long walking dead. No, you know, man. you have to do like kind of a limited thing, five issues or so. Yeah. No, and I, I'm appreciating that more and more in indie comics, too. Not everybody needs to try to put out 138 issues, you know. I mean, unless you're Robert Kirkman or Todd McFarlane, it's, it's difficult, man. you got to have, mm -hmm. yeah, a, a lot of steam behind you to do that. So I'm perfectly fine with, you know, a 12-issue maxi-series. I mean, you know, you, I guess there's a few of them out there. I think, uh, what, Redneck's going like 30 issues now or something like that. So there's a few that are trying, but I still don't see. It seems rare these days, yeah, though, yeah. Very like rare. a lot of these image series are more just, you know, defined uh, series that end after a couple volumes. Right, right. Because, like you said, it's it's hard to do, especially with independent characters, IPs that no one knows who the hell they are. You don't have Disney money behind them. McFarlane yeah. money no, isn't it, Disney money. And as a new creator, like, uh, you know, I just want to show that I can tell a good story. Yep. And, you know, and just four issues, so something that uh, otherwise, you know, if I was trying to make it 40 issues, I might never not ever get there. Yeah. Then nobody will be able to see this, you know, in my portfolio, something that might be well done and just, you know, one volume, four issues. Well, and that that has proven to to work out for so many. Um, I think that the, the most recent example I've seen, I was so pumped for him was seeing uh, Sean Lewis, who did Thumbs and Coyote and oh, yeah. Uh, Bliss. Up, yeah. yeah, no, he's doing Spawn now. Like he he got picked up to Is do he? Spawn. I didn't even yeah, know that. man, he's gonna do Damn. a Spawn book. How fucking crazy! Like once again, he just does little four to six issue little series, just enough to you know show. Hey, man, I've I've got I've got chops. And then next mm -hmm. thing you know, you're you're on the the biggest independent title on the planet. Like, that's, that's awesome. That, Good yeah, man. So what you're doing this. Y y the short mini series it really does prove to to pay off in the end. It's it's. You don't need a hundred issues of something to get your name out there, is my point. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, how how difficult was it finding this artist? Because um, I know you said it's it was better. It got easier for you over time through Beastlands and all of that. This I was a fan of his work. I think I backed the Kickstarter that he uh, that he drew and illustrated, and then uh, I reached out to him, and I think that's when he already was started doing some work for Boom, so he was busy. But I just kind of, uh, you know, we just kind of became friends online through social media. I'm always, you know, chatting chatting to him and commenting on his art, and then uh, he just let me know when he had an opening. And uh, once he had an opening, I was like, I got a story ready for you, man. It's perfect. It's, it's whimsical fantasy world. I think you'll like it. And then luckily he was into it. Kills it. 
Kills. I, I love this art so much, man. I, I really do. I mean, I'm such an original style, right? It, and it's, uh, it I, I'm just a huge fan of him. Like, I just feel lucky to be working with him. Uh, different colorist. No, he did the colors he does for that do the one. Colorist. Yeah, I was about to say, colors. because if this is a different colorist, this colorist is on a whole different level because it clearly, I mean, it just blends with the line work so well, mm -hmm. but it, it makes so much sense that it is the line artist coloring his own work. Cause it's just, a colorist to do that would be from another world. I mean, if it wasn't them drawing it, because it's it's like I said, it's so perfect. I this is a uh, I don't know, man. I, I really do think that this this is in the running for a Ringo. Like we, I think Kickstarter comics need to get more out there as far as you know, recognized in the uh, the awards and everything. I think, I mean, it, it maybe it will this year. Maybe we will have some Kickstarter Ringo. Maybe novels. yeah, especially with all these bigger names coming yeah. to it. I feel like the it's getting more attention. Uh, these bigger companies coming over to Kickstarter now. Uh, I don't think Kickstarter is going anywhere. So hopefully yeah. they uh, you know start looking at it for more, as a more serious thing. That'd be cool. Absolutely, because if that were the case, and this is definitely something that would be recognized by them for sure. I mean, it's it, that'd be awesome. It, I. I are you sure that this is you've only been doing this since 2017 man <laughs> <laughs> yeah man this is uh, i'm still new and then uh you know i'm always working on new pitches so i feel like i feel like i'm just getting better and i'm, I'm kind of obsessed with it you know as a to want to do this for a living you have to be obsessed with comics and obsessed with storytelling and, and making them so i feel like i'm only getting better like these are still just my first few series so i'm excited for what's to come and to get these series finished what kind of things were you doing to hone your writing skills uh, I mean, were you just always using comics as a way to practice writing or? I mean, reading a lot is important, like understanding okay. page turns, understanding how many balloons can fit in a page. Like, I feel like as a beginner, like struggling with that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, the biggest thing that helped me, I think, was hiring comic editors to review my scripts. Ah. And they the feedback they gave me really helped me. Like when I first started, I didn't even know how to format a comic script. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of hiring them and, and uh, I have kind of have my own uh, format format down now that uh you know panel by panel with panel descriptions and the dialogue in there it's just uh you just got to practice probably starting small because i did do a little bit of anthology work where it was just like a one issue series and i think just you know practicing mm -hmm. uh and practice maybe writing like a 10 page script even if it never gets published like you don't have to the hard thing is as a writer you have to pay for artists and pay for printing but you can practice writing all you want. You don't have to mm -hmm. pay to get art for that. You know, you could you could write a five-page story and never pay for art if you don't want to. And that's just practice, though. Um, okay. And then it, getting that reviewed by editors and stuff. See, that, that, that's that's great advice. I, I don't think I've heard that yet. Um, as far as actually hiring an editor to, to help you hone in. On yeah, that was the biggest. Like I'm self-taught. I didn't go to school for writing, so that was the biggest thing that kind of helped me develop my storytelling and show me what I was doing wrong. Uh, making sure like your characters have arcs and and then just yeah the, the like a comic specific editor will teach you how to do scripts and everything properly i dig it man i dig it uh man th those are those are wise words for such a, a green creator it's i'm loving this man your future is it's, it's so in this industry for sure thank you man. I, uh, um uh, so the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter ends, uh, let's see, this episode. March 10th. March 10th. All right. So, yeah, this episode yeah. will go up on the 3rd, I believe. The 1st. The 1st. Ah, so we'll have, yeah, we'll have a few, uh, about a week or so. A little over nice, a week nice. for some people to get on this. But it is uh, already funded. Yeah, we Look got funded, you. I think, five days in or so. So, yeah, yeah it's uh it's always nice when it gets funded early and you just don't have to stress anymore. It's just kind of all 
you know, downhill from there. And we still have two weeks left as of now. But yeah, we'll have 10 days. Left. It'll end on March 10th. That's, oh man, that, that, that's got to feel nice. Um, you said five days in, is that what you said? Five yeah, five days wow. in. Yeah, I got funded. That, that's, that's, this is my eleventh one. They've all been successful, so it's just uh, like I feel like I've I've got a lot of experience in Kickstarter now. Um, I mean, the first one, my first like the first issue of the Wild Cosmos, my other series, uh, it was of grind. We didn't get funded until I think the second to last day. But as you keep putting out new Kickstarters and growing your fan base, it just you know people keep coming back if they like your product. And luckily. They like our books. Like I print super high quality books, probably uh, higher quality than anything you'll find in the comic shop. Uh-huh. Just really thick pages, matte covers on single issues, foil, everything, Ooh. all the bells and whistles. So, and we do uh, numeric foil stamping on the collector versions. So there's only like a thousands of those printed. And each has like a unique number. So it's like a, kind of like a super high quality collector's version because you kind of have to sell these for more on Kickstarter to actually hit your goal. Mm-hmm. So it's more expensive than a, a regular comic you would buy at a comic shop. But I try to make it worth it and make it a collector's item. And then we always have like the cheap digital options if if uh if nobody doesn't want the print versions totally man i i, I love it and you didn't exactly set a tiny goal either you know 11 11- yeah this was uh uh you know for the first issue i think we did uh like six thousand or something but yeah now as uh as costs go up uh for printing and everything i kind of have to keep it going but yeah eleven thousand, and luckily we hit it hit it pretty early on that's that's awesome man um I, 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 I really, I, I can't express how excited I am to get the second issue. I, I, I really can't. It's, it's been a long time. I can't say it's been a long time. It always feels like it's been forever. But um, I, the, the, the feeling I got after reading not just one, but two of your creations, back to back, two completely different things. It, it gave me this, once again, this sense of, fuck, comics are so goddamn here. They're not going anywhere. You know, these, these creators are just... I still don't believe you. I think you're lying to me when you say, <laughs> I, uh, but I, whatever, I, I got to take your word for it. Um, I, comics are here, man. And your proof, your proof, Curtis Clow. Uh, this is, thank you, man. I really appreciate the kind words. And yeah, that's the beautiful thing about Kickstarter and crowdfunding, all this technology that we have in 2021. It's, it, it's allowed people like me to, you know, I wanted to be a comic writer, so I'm just making it happen. And I quit my day job like a little over a year ago. So I've been doing this full time now. Congratulations. Living the dream. Man. Thank you, man. Oh, it was my big, God. It was a big step. Right before the pandemic, it, I uh, quit, but luckily I had the biggest year of my Kickstarters ever. So things worked out. And now, just keep going. That's that's incredible. I'm happy for you, man. Um, do you have a social media presence that the people can follow you at? Yeah, I'm at Curtis Clow on uh, on everything on Twitter, Instagram, and then I have a Facebook writer page as well. Cool, man. Cool. Uh, anything beyond slightly exaggerated and beastlands in the works? Oh man, always stuff in the yes, works. As a yes. writer, you always have you're always cooking up new ideas, really? looking at new artists. So I already have a few other pitches ready, kind of pitching around to publishers. But if that doesn't work out, I'm happy to Kickstarter. I think my next uh, my next big challenge will be to like Kickstarter full volume, like just trade and all. Instead yeah. of I've only done single issues uh, for now, but I'm excited to maybe later this year to like do like a full volume for a whole series, like a full graphic novel. Awesome, man. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, you definitely have a full-time follower, at least one more from here on, because <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in it, man. I'm in it. Thank I, you. I, 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 I love your, your, your form of storytelling. I love your eye for artists, man. And it's, I, I, I find it so ironic that you, you, you find these, these Eastern artists that would normally do things that I would stray away from, but you find ones that just, they, they create this 
this level of magnificence, man. You don't see that type of effort in comics like that normally. You know, I feel like yeah. everyone just wants to rush it. And you could tell that there's so much love into every single page between both your artists and both stories. It's yeah, no, that's creator-owned comics. We can take as much time as we want. Of course, I don't want our backers to wait forever, but I usually don't launch until we have the issue almost finished, anyways. And I let my artists, you know, as long as it's a timely manner, I want them to take the time and do the art that they that they're proud of, and you know, just be as beautiful as possible. I care about quality so much. Uh, it shows. It shows, man. Um, I. Yeah, just go to Kickstarter, search Slightly Exaggerated, and I'm sure it's going to pop right up in your face. Because it's, I mean, ah, yeah, I love it, man. Hey, thank you so much for your, your time, Curtis. Uh, any Kickstarter, anything you have in the future, this, this show is your platform, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm here to champion your cause, because this is... Thank you. I really appreciate it. As a you know, as an indie creator, it's always hard to book interviews, and you know, I'm sure people get tons of requests for Kickstarter interviews and stuff. There's always tons of hundreds of Kickstarters going on, um, so it's always cool to chat and uh, you know to be on. Uh, yeah, no, I'm loaded. That's for sure. Um, I'm I'm definitely booked out. But when when this when I see something like this, I uh, I do some shuffling. That's for sure. Stuff like thank this you. Needs I really appreciate it. It needs thank to you. be seen. Um, hey, uh, there's, once again, if there's anything you need from this podcast, you know how to reach me. Um, man, uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for choosing to do comics. You're, you, you, yeah, this is, uh, this is what I get into indie comics for, man. Is this type yeah, of man, excitement. It's just, uh, you know, indie, indie creators, they, you have to love comics to do it because it's not, it's not like you're going to be like, uh, making tons of money or anything when you first start out. You just really love it and, uh, love storytelling and love creating. Ah, uh, man. Well, uh, you, you you stay safe out there, man. Get back to creating. I can't wait to, to see what's next. I can't wait to Thank see you, Scout's too. name all over your books and <laughs> the other stuff that you wouldn't divulge. I'll find out. I'll find out because I'm a stalk you now, man. You got a fan. All right, brother. You stay safe out there. Thank you, you too. Right, cheers. So there you go. Another creator has been cornered. Episode 289, Curtis Clow, huh? I'll bet that, dude. All that excitement, all that squirrel, school girl, squirrel girl, school girl giddiness that I uh, exhibited there, that was all real and natural, man. I, it was just pure excitement. It's so cool seeing a creator take me by surprise in that in that type of fashion. You know, I think uh, if you checked out his work, you'd, you'd really feel the same way. So do that. Just head on over to Kickstarter. Support the book. Back the book while you still can. There's still a few days left. Slightly exaggerated is the book. And good lord, it is gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. And the storytelling, superb, as advertised. So there you go. Also, also after you're done with that, make sure you do your part and uh, in helping this podcast grow by leaving those reviews. Five-star reviews absolutely uh, detrimental to the success of this podcast without those it doesn't do anything it just kind of stays where it's at you know so yeah share it share it and that's by leaving reviews that's that's how you share it or you could tell people too that's always super awesome uh (laughs) hey thanks for tuning in it's always my pleasure uh you know having the opportunity to bring these interviews to you listeners I sure do enjoy listening to creators talk about comics. Part of the reason I do this. Uh, As always, please stay safe. Read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers.
Hi, you're listening to Cheers to Comics podcast. This is Mark Russell, and you're listening to the Cheers to Comics podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm Monty Michael Moore, and this is the Cheers to Comics podcast with Brian Wayne. This is Drew Zucker. You're listening to Cheers to Comics podcast.